Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. This is Megan. I am the host today and I am here with one of my clients actually. So this is a very special episode. Um, He has an amazing story I wanted to share with all of you. First, I want to read an email that he sent me a few months ago to kind of explain to you guys the backstory. So he said, when we met for the first time, I was 467 pounds in pain and had no clue what to do nutritionally to get myself on track. Through your patience and guidance, you set me on the right track, and I took everything you taught me and ran with it over the past two years. I'm now 230 pounds, ran an 840 mile last week, finished my first Savage race, and am lifting in the gym three to four times a week and getting stronger every day. Most exciting, though, my nutrition is not a worry anymore, as I feel empowered by the knowledge you passed on and what I've learned since. I've been able to maintain the over 230-pound loss and I have a healthy relationship with food for the first time in my adult life. Best of all, the ripple effect this has caused is massive. My wife joined me on this fitness journey halfway through and has lost over 110 pounds. My dad saw us getting healthy and lost 40 pounds at age 73 and is now going to the gym and strength training three times a week. My older brother just joined us two months ago and is well on his way to getting healthy, having lost 10 pounds, is strength training with us every week, and feeling healthier than he has in years. I even had a coworker join me at the office who has lost 60 pounds and joins me at the gym. We all talk nutrition and exercise together all the time and encourage each other. I see even more ripples going out at the gym with people coming up to me constantly saying how I've inspired them to work harder or push past a plateau they were struggling with. It's almost too many to count and you were there to help me get all of this started. So, Stephen, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So a little bit more about Steven. He was born and raised here in Central Florida. He's currently an active classical musician and performer who has performed all over the U.S. and internationally. He teaches voice lessons at Rollins College, Seminole State College, and University High School. He's worked for 10 years in the financial industry. He is married to his wonderful wife, Shannon, and he's a recent exercise and fitness enthusiast. (laughs) Yep. So I think one of the main questions I wanted to start with was, like, how and why did you start <laughs> this journey? Like, what was the factor? What was the catalyst? Uh, it, 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 it was a shame it had to start this way, but it started at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, before I came in here, I, I went in to do a routine surgery. I had a, a little bit of a, a stomach issue, which found out that was related to my gallbladder and needed a non-emergency surgery to take my gallbladder out. Um, I went ahead and scheduled the procedure and uh, am just blessed to have met the, the, the surgeon I did, uh, Dr. Eric Reidman, a gentleman I'll never forget and who I've talked to as well uh, along this journey. Um, they did my blood work for the first time, I think, in 15 years at that point. Okay. I, re- I refused to go to the doctor. I knew I was unhealthy. I knew I was in pain. I was miserable. I didn't need someone else to tell me that. Mm-hmm. 
And I was ashamed to go, so I just didn't. And this surgery made me get a workup done. And when it happened, they looked at me in shock and wondered how I was still walking. They said I was so unhealthy from every blood panel they took and that my A1C and blood sugars were so out of control that I I should have been hospitalized at that point. And I had no idea. I just felt bad all the time, so I thought it was normal. And obviously it wasn't. Um, I got that information and uh, just kind of buried it and then decided I'm just going to go to the surgery and just do this and move on and just ignore it. Okay. Um, Went to the hospital to get the surgery done and Dr. Reidman uh, came in for pre-op. I'll never forget. He stood there by my hospital bed. Goodness. He was the first person to look at me right in the eyes and just say, you need to change now. Uh, he said, I'm digging an early grave, and uh, I, he wasn't sure if I was going to wake up. Wow. And that just floored me. I'd, I'd, I'd had people tell me, but people were very kind, and they were very, they dodged around it, and mm-hmm. it never really sank in, but that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was in there, I could see the look in her eyes, and I just, it crushed me. And he said, I'm good. I'm a good surgeon. I'm going to do my part. You just need to do yours and wake up. I said, okay, we have to do this. So we did it. Thank God I did wake up. And it was just that kind of moment on. I was just like, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did is as soon as I recovered and was able to get up, uh, went immediately to the gym right next to my office, the RDV, now Genesis Sports Club. Walked in the door and just went to the counter and said, I need help. I, I think those are the exact words I used. And thankfully, there was someone really nice behind the counter and just looked at me and saw the look in my eye and just said, I know gotcha. exactly who you need to talk to. Okay. And they walked me right downstairs, found me a trainer, the trainer I'm still working with today, Matthew Alarcon, uh, a godsend, who just sat down with me immediately and just talked to me as I bawled my eyes out and said how miserable I am. Yeah. Uh, and he just looked at me, and I think his exact words were just, I got you. Nothing nothing crazy, no fancy. He, he's like, don't worry. I've got a plan. You just follow me, and I've got you. Is that okay? So I knew, based on my experience in music, uh, the, the best thing I could have ever done at that point is just create a team of experts around me. That could just help me get out of the hole I was in because I didn't know what to do. So step one was I knew I needed to move more. Went to the gym, immediately found the help I needed. Step two, I had no idea what I was eating. Just went on Google, just said, Orlando dietitian, help. <laughs> and uh, just thankfully your practice came up and you all were so highly rated and just sounded like the right kind of fit for me. And came in here and I'm just so happy I did because it just it changed everything and just put that that structure around me to say get the help you need get the foundation you need to dig yourself out of this and once you have that information now it's just up to me to fix it yeah I think that the two biggest takeaways that I took from that is that that provider just sitting down and saying that to you like you never know the impact that you're going to have on someone's life Mm -mm. and as being whether it's a service provider or a physician or a dietitian or whatever it is that you do a teacher you can have such a huge impact on someone else's life with just your words absolutely 
Yeah, he. I, I sent him a letter. Uh, I walked it over to his office because I didn't know how else to get it to him. It's impossible to get in touch with a doctor <laughs> uh-huh, these days uh-huh. unless you have an appointment. And uh-huh. I was like, I don't need to see you. <laughs> yeah. I just need to hand you something. So yeah. I took some pictures. I wrote him a nice long letter explaining my journey and how he was the catalyst mm-hmm. and the start for all of it. And I walked into his office and just went up to the front desk and said, I need to give this to him and I don't know how to do that. Yeah. And thankfully, some really nice people behind the desk said, you know, we'll call out one of his nurses and they'll come get it for him and he was out of the office that day unfortunately so I did not get to see him but I dropped it off and the very next day at like 7 a.m. I get a text message from him saying he was floored and just wanted to talk to me more and just I guess I assume that providers never don't necessarily get these kinds of letters or information all the time we usually Mm -hmm. get the complaints and the issues and Uh the people being Uh vocal online And I just wanted, I didn't need to even make it public at that point. I just wanted him to know that what he did was so important and completely changed my life. And then in in turn, my whole family and then people at the gym, people at my work, everyone I come into contact with who's ever known me before doesn't even recognize me and says, how, why, what happened? Explain this to me. I want that too. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it blew up into something I never imagined it could. I think I think the second part of that is that you were able to ask for help and you put the people around you yeah. and it wasn't just one person. It wasn't just your no. wife. You didn't go home and say, hey, Shannon, I need you to help me. I need you to hold me accountable because I think a lot of times we go to our number one person yeah. as the person that we're going to get everything from, not knowing that they can't necessarily provide all of that to yeah. us. You went and you you searched out a trainer and said, I need help. You searched out a dietitian and said, I need help. And then you let your wife know what was going on and what you yeah. were trying to do. And now your dad and now your brother and now your friend at the at work and yeah. all of these people you have these team of people around you that are holding you accountable it's not just one person yeah. that you're not just relying on yourself and you're not just relying on your spouse you're relying on all these people absolutely and the the interesting part about it was I, I told my wife immediately what I was going to do and she was absolutely supportive and said she'd love me either way but she wanted to help as much as she could but uh, initially, uh, she had zero interest in joining me in any of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, uh, a, it wasn't a problem between us that caused that. It was just that she, she'd never been to the gym in her life. She'd never worried really too much about nutrition. She wasn't necessarily really unhealthy in my eyes at mm-hmm. all. I didn't think there was anything wrong with her. I just knew it was me. And so I just went to fix me. And I was like, I, I just need I need to work on this and whatever happens, happens. You just 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 love me and help me along the way as mm-hmm. much as you can. But I know it's I've got these other people around me that are really gonna help me do the heavy lifting and just, you know, make sure that I, I stay with it. And for the first eight plus months, uh, she just watched. She didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I asked her once if she wanted to come to the gym with me, and she said no. And then I said, no, it's okay. No worry. I, 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 know, I know the work I need to do. And I remember what the turning point was. Uh, we went outside, and uh, at that point, I still could not bend down and pick up anything off the floor. I was so out of shape. My knees hurt. My hips hurt. Everything hurt. And uh, I would have to get her to come help me get things off the floor or the ground if something fell. And so I was working out in the yard and there were some weeds in the flower bed and I just could not get them. I couldn't get on the ground and I couldn't bend down. And so I called her outside and I said, could you please help me grab these couple of weeds? I just, it's driving me nuts and I just can't get them. And so I had mowed the whole lawn, I'd edged it, I'd done my little string trimmer, I was cutting some branches, I'd been working out for about eight months. 
And she came out and she looked at me and she's like, you look okay. You don't look exhausted. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I feel pretty good. Uh, this whole gym thing's kind of working out a little uh-huh. bit. I'm eating better. I'm feeling good. I've lost a lot of weight. I feel, I feel pretty great, actually. And she bent down and she picked up the weeds and she got completely out of breath. And she looked over at me and she's like, how are you feeling okay? And I'm not. And I was like, I don't know. I, 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 it's all that I'm putting in this work and I think it's working. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of paused for a minute and we, she came inside. I finished up my work and I I come back in. I'm all sweaty and tired. And she says, all right, I want what you have. Wow. And just, she said, tell me what I need to do. Stupid weeds. It was just just something as simple as that. I didn't say anything else. I didn't do anything else. She just needed to see it and see it work and understand that I had people around me that helped me do it. It wasn't just a a whim. It wasn't something I slipped into. I had a definitive plan. I had people telling me step by step, here is how you do it. And she's a very data-oriented person. She needs very clear steps and very clear instructions, and then she feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. If you just say, go to the gym and do something, she'll never go. If you say, Mm -hmm. go do this, this, and this, specifically this many times, this way, and I I will watch you do it she will do it every day okay and so she went from zero activity at a gym in her entire life to again she strength trains three times a week she runs almost every day now she she goes almost more than i do at this point which is yeah. just incredible to yeah. me and it was complete transformation on her part as well which you, I never expected. And you just led by example. You yeah. didn't go home and shame her if oh, you were no. eating a healthy meal and she wasn't. You weren't saying like I'm look at me, I'm doing this. You just you just did it and no. you led by example and she saw how you were changing and she recognized the benefits of it and she wanted that yeah. too. And it sounds like that's kind of how you influenced other people. As Everybody well. around me was the same thing cuz when when she lost over 100 pounds and saw me lose over 230 pounds, my dad looked over and said, "What are you guys doing (laughs) we go to lunch every sunday and he saw it happen week over week over week and he was very supportive through it and he'd been starting to go to the gym himself but he's like apparently what y'all doing are working pretty well can i talk to this trainer Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely and i introduced them and next thing i know he's sitting there at the 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 lunch table every sunday now talking to us about the sleds he pulled about the weights he's lifted the presses he's doing how excited he is about the last pr he did in his 70s and he's cool. just, the, the most exciting thing about him was, um, or my trainer talks to me about him and vice versa between mm-hmm. all of us because we have the whole, pretty much the whole family going mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, he came up to me and he said a couple of months ago and he said, I've got to tell you something. Your dad fell the other day. And my heart stopped. I yeah. said, oh, no. And he's like, I was, at, we were, I was with him. We were doing a movement. It was something with balance. I was pushing him a little bit and he fell. But I'm going to tell you, he got right back up. And he awesome. felt nothing. And as he said, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And just I, I, the joy I felt at that point, knowing how many people at that age bracket who have a, some kind of significant fall mm-hmm. can have life-threatening injuries or injuries that put them in the hospital or just various things that he had put in enough work and enough enough time to really strengthen himself to the point where he could take that, right. get up, continue his workout, and not feel bad the rest of the week. Right. Which just... Incredible. So happy. Mm -hmm. Incredible. So I'm assuming this wasn't the first time you tried to lose weight in your (laughs) life. (laughs) Um, And the reason why I'm asking this question is because I know people are going to hear this and they're going to be like, you know what? I've tried. I've tried. I've gone to the trainer. Maybe I've even gone to the dietitian. I've done the diets. I've tried the plans. Like it didn't work for me. 
So <laughs> give us a little backstory and like what, you know, what made it different this time for you? I, I've given up to lose weight. I've tried so many times. Uh, I truly thought I was just done. And I would, I'd, I'd given up on everything. The, the shame and guilt I felt at that point being nearly 500 pounds had just overwhelmed me. And I felt there was literally no way out. And I didn't, I, I wish that on nobody to hit rock bottom like I did to have to go through that emotional roller coaster because it still obviously still affects me over two years later until I can barely talk about it. Because it, it hurts so much in a good way to remember just how bad it was and how far I've come. But the the difference is, and I heard this, I don't remember who I heard it from, from all the, the different people I've been listening to and reading. Uh, someone said uh, famously, it's not hard to lose weight. It's really hard to keep it off. Mm -hmm. You can lose weight a hundred different ways. You can do keto. You can do carnivore. You can do you know a juice diet. You can do literally a million different things. And you can drop weight quickly if you want to. But which one of those is sustainable for you? And it, there's no one-shot answer. There's no magic bullet that just fixes everybody. If there was, someone would be really rich right now. Mm -hmm. It's what connects to you and what changes can you make that you can make permanently. And how small do you need to go to make that happen? Yeah. And you were the first one to tell me that. Uh, and I was looking back at our initial emails, and it was just pick one thing. Mm -hmm. Just change one thing. Mm -hmm. That's all there was. It wasn't change your whole diet. It wasn't drop and eliminate every food group that's sugar or that's you know it's, it's carbs or whatever it is that's quote unquote bad for you. It was just let's find one thing we can do that you can do week in and week out that will always be. And I remember we were changing what you were choosing for lunch. Yeah, it was that like was it. we were eating out for lunch, yeah. and we were like, okay, let's change what you're yeah. what you're picking. So I switched it very clearly. So I I had to even put it in my little tracker app when I finally started counting calories. I did not count calories for the first year. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. It was just. I wasn't ready for it. And a lot of the information you gave me when we started, I wasn't ready for. Because mm -hmm. uh, you told me in the initial consultation, try this little taco bowl thing. <laughs> a little bit of like, some minute rice, some chick rotisserie chicken, some beans, and like some salsa or something. Yeah, my power bowl. Yeah, it, it's an amazing idea. <laughs> and I wasn't ready for that for about a year and a half. Yeah. But when I was ready, I eat that every day now. Yeah. Literally every single day, mm -hmm. chicken, rice, beans, and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And it's I love it. Mm -hmm. But at that time, that seemed literally impossible. Possible. Yeah. I could not wrap my mind around it. But what I was ready for is to make one small shift. So instead of going to Wendy's or instead of going to Chick-fil-A, the two places right next to the office I was working at, and getting two sandwiches, a large fry, a big old drink, and a dessert, I decided I'm going to go to Jersey Mike's and I'm going to get a sandwich because it sounded better. I didn't know how many calories were in either of them because I yep. didn't care at that yep. point. But we all inherently know fried chicken or burger <laughs> or a fresh sandwich, one of those is going to be slightly, quote unquote, better nutritionally. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's white bread or wheat bread at that point. I just need something different. Mm -hmm. And so I walked in there and the literal change was just go get a sandwich. Any sandwich I wanted, anything on it, just know that that's got to be better than the other. Yeah. And so that was the one change I made. And I just started going and I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I actually really <laughs> like this. I can just pick various sandwiches yeah. and I just enjoyed this. Yeah. And what that led into then is my little system. They, I went there literally every day, five days a week. And uh, thank goodness I don't anymore because I was so expensive. <laughs> I think back on it. But it's the change I needed to do at the time. Um, the, the What I would start doing is I would just start making one change to the sandwich then. Because mm -hmm. that, that sandwich just became my one focus. Every other meal was identical that I would eat all the time. 
But that sandwich just became the easy thing I could mess with. So instead of white bread, I would just try wheat bread and see what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And then instead of the uh, you know Italian sandwich or a cheesesteak, I'd get just turkey. And instead of just turkey, you know, I'd leave off the olive oil and uh, then maybe add a little extra mustard or something. And mm -hmm. then just start playing with it a little bit. And before I knew it, I wasn't finishing it. And I was like, oh, this is strange. I'm full. Why, why am I eating the rest of this? So I'd just stop. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, maybe I should just get a smaller sandwich. Novel idea, <laughs> right? So over time, over a number of months, I just got the smaller sandwich and yeah. did the same thing. But I added all the extra stuff to it just because I was afraid of being hungry. That was something we talked about earlier on, too, because the one of the, the biggest hurdles I had mentally was worried about having uh, access to food, which mm -hmm. is insane in this culture we live in. There's food everywhere. There's literally nowhere I can go where I can't get something to eat if I yeah. need it. I'm yeah. not going to starve. Yeah. But I would, I would literally overeat thinking that I wouldn't have time to eat something later and just gorge myself and then gorge myself on the next meal with the same concern over and over. I might get hungry. Yeah. I don't know. I might get hungry. So what, I have to what eat. If, I have if, to eat. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I would do this for no, no apparent reason. So I'd use this sandwich as the catalyst to just change things and say, I'm okay. I have snacks in my desk. I would get some like beef jerky or some, some quote unquote healthier snacks that I thought were healthier at least. And then put that on my desk and say, if I need it, I have it. And then if I don't need it, I don't need to eat it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And over time, that one sandwich turned into their sub in a tub or a salad mm -hmm. with just pretty much turkey, a lot of mustard on it, no dressing or anything. And I just started just going down, 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 and I felt great. And then that one meal turned into, all right, I've optimized this one. I feel great. Why don't I look at one more? So yeah. immediately I turned to the next easiest meal to me, which was breakfast. Mm -hmm. Dinner seems to be the hardest thing for some reason. The end of the day, you're tired, you're stressed. That's the one where I usually crash and I didn't want to worry about it so much. So just sw switched to the next meal, did the exact same thing. Picked something I knew I liked that was a little bit better than whatever I was eating. No more Dunkin' Donuts, no more Starbucks. Let me just go make something, anything fresh at home that doesn't take long. So we did breakfast burritos. So we did just scrambled eggs. I mean, a little bit of something. English muffins, you know, just mm -hmm. something that I can control and just put a specific portion in front of me and just see what I feel like and go from there. And that was uh, after that period of time is when my wife had already started counting calories. She had joined me and she said, you know what? Maybe we just put this in a tracker and you just start to see what's in some of these things. Are mm -hmm. you ready for that? And I said, well, I'll take a look. I put one meal in there and I about lost my mind. <laughs> I saw what two tablespoons of butter that I was putting on my English muffin did calorie-wise. And I just was said, oh, that's not worth it anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what if I put one and I split it? And then so my mind started turning and I was like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I felt empowered having months and months and months of just small victories to the point where I, now I could put my hands around it and it didn't scare me to say, if I cut just a little bit here, that means I can eat more here and I'll be happy. Yeah. And where where am I finding the most satiation in the food? Is it in this meal right here, in this part of the meal, or some something else? And then continue to do this, this cycle with every single meal until we had optimized breakfast, we optimized lunch. We felt so good with what we ate. I was full and satiated. I wasn't eating anything too crazy. And we just experimented till we found those meals. And then we're just, all right, dinner's got to get tackled at some point. And, you know, we did the, the same thing. But for us, you know, it, I guess it's a, it's a different experience because we, we don't have children. So it's a little bit easier for us. 
uh, we just went to pre-made meals. So mm-hmm. we, we started ordering. Mm-hmm. We went to different means, meal services and we did the ones where you have to cook them yourself. And we said, nope, that's too much work for us mm-hmm. right now. We're not going to do it. We're going to stress out and go out to eat. I need someone to ship me a meal that I just heat and eat. Yep. That's it. Yep. And so we went to like, this like lean cuisine or not lean cuisine. I forget. Fresh and lean was the first service uh-huh. I used. And then the second one we ended up and we're still on it is Factor. Yeah. Factor 75. That's the one I always recommend. They're, they're wonderful. I go on that website. I pre-order all my dinners. I just send them all here to my house. And I know when I walk in and I've had a terrible hard day, dinner sitting right there and I don't have to stress about yeah. it. Yeah. And I just heat it up, put it in. I've already got, I eat the same breakfast every day now, the same lunch every day. Thank God you mentioned that that power bowl. I Mm -hmm. swear I still do that today. I meal prep it every weekend, make a five portions and just eat it and love it and feel wonderful. And dinners are varied because Factor just lets me order like it's a menu at a restaurant. It's wonderful. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that you didn't force yourself into something. Whereas I feel like a lot of people will be like, okay, just tell me what to eat and I'll eat it. And they're like forcing themselves. Like, you know, I told you about the power bowl, but to you, you're like, "Uh, that's not, no, not right now. And so you went in and you started so small and you did something that you were okay with making that decision. Yeah. And then you made the next decision that you were okay with. And then you made the next decision that you were okay with. And you didn't put these parameters on yourself of like, I got to know how many calories, how many grams of fat, how much protein, how much whatever it was just i'm gonna use my common sense and i'm gonna try to just pick something that might be healthier than what i would have yeah so you're not you weren't like rushing to a finish line to get somewhere and i think that actually helped you along the way to stay consistent versus the okay i'm gonna start this today i'm gonna do this for the next 60 days and i need to lose x amount of weight in that 60 days or i feel like i failed Yeah, and I think that was what was so helpful that you all provided to me here was not the pressure to say, you have to do this. You never shamed me for never doing that silly bowl. (laughs) I looked at all of our emails, and you're like, I want you to grade yourself on all these things. We had goals, and one of the goals was that silly bowl every single time we met. And I would be like, I've got A plus, A minus on this, I'll B on this, and then F on the bowl. Did you try the bowl, though? (laughs) I I put that on every single response to you. I didn't lie to you. I told you. I said, I didn't do the bowl. I'm sorry. I just couldn't. Couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you why. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I wasn't ready for it. I yeah. just wasn't. Yeah. Meal prepping sounded insane to me mm-hmm. at that point. And I, because I'd ate out for so long that if you want me to change that, I thought you're going to have to, 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 to force me at this mm-hmm. point. And I didn't want that. And so you never did. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> because that pressure would have, would have killed it, yeah. I think. And so I think just the gentle nudges of just like do something that's good for you and encouraging me to keep making those small changes. Because those small changes went from, you know, when I would go get that sandwich, I would go get, I usually still drank soda at that point. Because mm-hmm. I just had, I couldn't imagine giving it up. But then I realized that Jersey Mike's, they had the stuff called stubborn soda. I don't know if you ever heard yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like a lower calorie mm-hmm. version. I was like, let me try that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so bad. So mm-hmm. I started getting the stubborn stuff and I was like well that's not bad and then eventually that actually started tasting a little sweet to me and I was like why don't I just get tea I like unsweet tea yeah and then I just ended up switching to tea and now basically all I drink is tea and water and Mm -hmm. it's it was just a slow gradual thing of no one told me I had to do it and we all know which of these things are make us feel a certain way. That, that's the part that I refused to acknowledge early on when I didn't want to make any changes and I thought I was lost. I knew how I felt. I just didn't know what was causing it. And I didn't want to take the time to dig in there and learn something and figure out what was causing these feelings. And then the moment that I started making small changes with your encouragement, 
and I started feeling a little better at certain times of the day because I was eating a little better, it was like a little bit of the fog lifted just mm-hmm. for a minute. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, I can feel this good if I try to make a small change and I eat just a little better. And I had no idea how good it would be. This is just mind boggling to where I've ended up. But those little changes helped me feel as that snowball effect where it just kept growing on top of each other. And it, it made it so I could feel good and not feel shame about it. I wasn't guilted into it. I wasn't forced into it. I felt empowered because the changes were ones I knew I could make for me. And that's why when people come up to me at the gym or my friends and my family and say, how did you do it? What did you do? What's the one thing you would change that it would make all this better for me? I said, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't. Because yeah. I don't know you. I don't, I'm not inside your head. And I don't know what you're battling, what you're struggling with, because all of us are dealing with something different. But I do know that consistency is key here. So whatever that change is for you, it's got to be permanent. It's got to be something you've got to just be okay with. It's not a juice fast that for 30 days it's going to fix you for life. It's something that's going to be manageable and feel like almost nothing to you. Mm -hmm. But if you can do that small thing over and over and over and over to where you gain the confidence to make the next small step, that's the biggest thing you could ever do, in my opinion, to really help jumpstart this whole journey and make it so it's not a struggle. I don't feel tortured. I don't feel punished. I don't have a bad relationship with food right now. I have a wonderful one with food. And frankly, I, I, I don't mean to, to sidetrack too much, but uh, I actually tipped too far the other direction during this process. Mm-hmm. And that was a fascinating thing to me. Um, I started counting calories about halfway through and it was a wonderful boon to me because it helped me understand small things that were adding up to a lot to, to my diet. And I didn't have big caloric goals. I didn't have huge macros I was trying to hit. I just wanted to understand how many calories am I taking in during the day and how can I generally reduce that at a start. Just start small. Yeah. And then optimize things if I really feel like I need to uh, with the help of people that I talk to to really understand what I need to fuel myself. But... What ended up happening is I started obsessing over it Mm -hmm. and because I wanted to get better faster. Mm -hmm. And so I I let that get in the way to the point where I would have friends come up to me and ask me, hey, we're all going out to dinner. We're going to go to XYZ restaurant. You want to come? And I would make up an excuse and lie to them and tell them no. And the true reason was I couldn't count the calories at that restaurant and it stressed me out. And so I refused to go out. I I, I told some of my friends this later because I felt so bad that I blew them off for about six months. And they wondered over and over, why do you, why are you not doing anything with us anymore? Why what's going on with you? Are you okay? And I had to tell them yes and no yeah. because yes, I am okay because I'm I'm getting healthy, but no, I'm not okay because I've let this ruin me yeah. personally at this mm-hmm. point. I've I've gone way too far, and I, you can't live like that. And I I I couldn't. I couldn't let it go at that moment. And my trainer at that point was the one who kind of pulled me out of it. It was around the holidays. And he looked at me and he said, don't you dare come in here after Christmas and do a punishment workout. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you know what I mean? He's like, you're going to eat something you didn't mean to eat. You're going to feel guilty about it. You're going to come in here and you're going to punish yourself. I can feel it. And I said, okay, you're right. (laughs) And he's like, do not do that. Go home eat something you enjoy, get up the next day and act like it didn't happen and just let it go. Let it go and be okay with it. You earned it. You've done this. 
Don't you know you won't gorge yourself on it. You're not going to do what you used to do, but do not punish yourself with this food. Do not punish yourself with this exercise. We need to fix this. And he just kind of shook me out of it for a minute. And I saw that and I said, oh, I can, I can eat something. I can eat, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, a little bit of ice cream with somebody, just a couple of, you know, whatever it is that makes me feel good. Just listen to my body and say, what, when do I feel full? When am I done? And then stop eating at that point. Don't keep eating. And so I would do that from time to time. And my wife and I still do that. And so we eat anything we would like to eat in moderation. And we look at our week and we go, hey, we haven't gone out to eat in a couple of weeks. We want to, it's our anniversary. Let's go out and get something really nice and everything else be darned at that point. Just eat something that feels good and that we enjoy. And we find that when we still go do that, we still make better choices. Yeah, there's definitely a point that you can get to where being healthy impacts your mental Absolutely. Health. And because food is not, it's not just fuel. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not. It's the way that we connect with people. Yep. It's the way that we socialize. It's something that makes us happy. It's how we celebrate. And if you take all of those things away from food, you start to recognize that you're missing out on a lot of life yeah. by doing that. Absolutely. And I, I, I punish myself for so long the other direction. I, I was so used to doing that and that's it's kind of like what we talked about right before we started recording this that the losing the weight getting under con- my health under control didn't make me a better person I thought it would because mm-hmm. I thought I was a bad person because I was big mm-hmm. I thought in my head and I know a lot of people are feeling the same thing that shame and that guilt you feel for how badly you have treated yourself you project onto other people and you look at them. They've said nothing to you. They haven't even barely looked at you. And you think they're judging me because I am fat, because I am big. I am out of shape. I am in poor health. And you, you get on an airplane, you get on a bus, you, you get, you know, sit down in a, a concert or something. And you're bleeding over into the other seat and you're just embarrassed and guilt ridden and shame filled and judging yourself harder than anybody else is ever even judging you. And I got to the point where I just I wouldn't go anywhere because I was too embarrassed because I knew people were laughing at me even though they weren't. Mm-hmm. And so I thought if I just lose this weight, all of that's going to go away and I'm going to feel amazing and I'm going to be a better person. And people are going to look at me and say, that's a good person because he's smaller and he's healthy. And that was absolutely wrong. I have all of the same insecurities uh, to a T just in a smaller body at this point. Yeah. Which is okay because that just means that now I know what I, I can work on. And that's just, again, another part of the team of just finding people to talk to at that point to say, you know what? Uh, body dysmorphia is a heck of a thing. It doesn't just go away because you got small. I look in the mirror and I see the big person I was. I hold up those pants that I brought in here that are size 56, I think, at this point. And I can hold them up, look at them, and true and see how much smaller I am, literally half the size of that. And I still feel like I'm that big person inside, mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. And I, I battle that almost daily at this point when I look in the mirror. But there are also moments where I, I, I have the encouragement of just random people at the gym or random people that I haven't seen in years who see me and just floored by the changes I've made. And I, I couldn't tell you... I. I was terrified to go to the gym. That was that was the, one of the hardest steps. Coming here was easier, even though I bawled my eyes on my first session and had struggled. <laughs> this was difficult. The gym was harder because there were other people there. Yeah. This is private. This is yeah. safe. You made me feel really comfortable here. And I knew that I could talk to you about anything, and that helped 
immensely. The gym was public. Eyes on you. Everybody's looking at me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the previous mindset, everybody was judging me. Whether or not they were, everybody in there was looking at me saying, look at the, the big guy. What is he doing here? And then it took me months and months to realize the gym is not for in-shape people. The gym is for people <laughs> to help get in shape, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. And so when my trainer, God love him, he, he said... He could see the embarrassment in my eyes and he picked training times where I could come where he could hide me. And he took me in back areas of the gym where no one else could see me and he would shield me from other people because he knew how embarrassed I was. And he said, no one's going to watch us. We're going to do it. Just you and me. Just get get all that out. All you got to do is get in the door. If you can get down here to me, then I'm going to take safe. care of you. You're safe. Mm-hmm. And he put me in a safe bubble and he just he, he hid me in the gym for months and I would just walk in and out and I would just gradually get smaller, get healthier because I was eating better. I was meeting with you. I was working out. Everything was just getting a little bit better. And I remember the first time I walked in there, someone I'd never seen or talked to in my life in that gym grabs me as I'm running back to the training room and says, hey, I have no idea who you are, but you are killing it. You look amazing. I've watched you for the last number of months. I just wanted to say you're inspiring me. And I was just shocked and didn't even know what to say. I don't even know if I said anything. I just maybe a thank you. And I kind of shook for a minute and I just ran off back to my training room. Mm -hmm. And that was the first of a, so many people I can't even count at this point because I came at the same time, every number of days over and over and over and just put my head down and worked because I had a plan. I had had a plan for my food. I had a plan for my workouts. I had support in my family and home. I had everything set up. All I needed to do is just keep moving forward one small step at a time. And I didn't even realize how quickly the changes were happening at that point. Like I wasn't weighing myself all the time. I just felt a little bit better. I knew that was good. And before I knew it, weight was just falling off of me. And I was feeling better and getting more encouraged and wanted to do more and more and more. And more and more people would just come up to me and just grab me and say, you inspire me. You're amazing. Who are you? I want to know your name because I can see the changes you've been going through. And I... I never knew what to say. I was just blown away. I I didn't know these people. I know I I never seen them. I never because I kept my head down. I didn't yeah. want to know anybody at the gym. Yeah. And now it, my my trainer calls me the mayor of the gym because I walk in there. I'm high five and people shaking you. hands, and mm-hmm. I'm just like. I just feel good and I feel confident again. And I've had so many of these people get around me that I, I, I made friends that I never thought I would make and found support there in a place that I thought was judgmental that wasn't. And these people became my family and my community. And they, they come around me even today. I went to the gym this morning. Two or three of my guys came up to me, gave me a fist bump and a hug and just said, you're doing awesome. Keep it going. You know, this, this feels great. What are we working today? What are we going to do? Just yeah. keep it up. High five and get going. You know, it's just, and I, I it, that just gives me the energy and the, the excitement to keep wanting to go back because I know I'm making a difference in myself. And I'm encouraging others, and others are encouraging me, and it's just this positive loop that just feeds everyone. It feels and just, amazing. It gives you, you know, the sense of connection, humanity, because the story that you were telling yourself before was, if someone's noticing me, they're noticing something negative. Yeah, absolutely. And the first time that person came up to you and said, "Hey, I noticed you're doing a good job," that was probably such a mind shift for you yeah. to be like, "Oh, this person's noticing me." But they're not noticing me for being fat. They're yeah. noticing me for the work that I'm putting in. And so knowing that these people, 
I think in general, we want to see the good in people. I think if we see someone working out in the gym, we feel good about that person doing the work, no matter what it is that they look at. And and I always tell people like, well, what do you think when you see someone working out? Are you thinking about (laughs) the size of their thighs? Or are you thinking about like, oh, they've been on that treadmill for 30 minutes. Like I need to get on the treadmill too. Like, so I think in general, we all want everyone around us to succeed and build each other up. And if we can recognize that and get into a space where we can feel that from others, I think yeah. it helps us to hear the stories that we're telling ourselves that maybe aren't necessarily true. Yeah, I, I beat myself up for so long. I, I spent, I was I was overweight and in that state of over 460, almost 470 pounds for just under 20 years. And that, that's an immense amount of time to, to shame yourself and yeah. to beat yourself up and to get dug in a hole. And that's why I thought I'd never get out because mm-hmm. I'd been there that long. What's 20 more years or what's dying early at this point? I, I, there was no fixing it in my mind. And so if you spend that long beating yourself up and, and imagining other people are, are completely uh, uh, judging you every time you leave your, your personal space... It's really hard to shift that mindset, but I've completely come full circle. And it's not that I depend on their encouragement because that's I think that's another too far thing. If you're depending on someone else to get yourself worth, I think we've crossed over a line where what if you don't get it that day? Does that crash you for the day? There has to be a confidence inside of you to know I'm doing the right things. I'm taking the small steps. I'm doing what I need to do to to get healthy and to stay healthy. And that's creating that good relationship with the food and that good relationship with just more movement, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be strength training. It's just what I enjoyed. And it's just whatever exercise makes you feel good and you enjoy, go do it. Just move more than we're moving. I mm-hmm. I was working in an office, sitting eight hours a day, barely getting up just to go to the bathroom and eat lunch. That was mm-hmm. it. And I would walk. And once I put on a tracker, I was saying I'm walking 2,000 steps a day. Is literally not moving. And then I come home, sit down all evening, get up and eat dinner, sit back down, not move again all night. And so the first steps, I looked at our original emails again. I yep. loved these. It was a blast from the past. <laughs> yeah. Two years ago, his goal was walk one time a week. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. It was just mm-hmm. get outside and walk any distance mm-hmm. one time a week. Yep. And I was so excited. I remember I walked around basically what would considered one block in my neighborhood, completely out of breath. Couldn't barely do it. My wife came with me because she was trying to encourage me. But the problem was she was in so much such better shape than I was. She was having to slow down so much. And it was I could tell it was hard for her to go as slow as I needed to go. Mm-hmm. And so I said, don't worry about it. I appreciate it. Just encourage me to get out and let me just go my own pace so I'm not judging myself. Because I felt bad. I felt I was holding her back. So I was like, let me just go. And so I would, I would go. And then it one once a week turned into... Maybe twice a week. And it was just that small little bit of, if I can just manage this one tiny goal and have one person, or as actually two people, as you and my trainer checking in saying, what are you doing? What's that goal? Did we meet it? And you checked in over and over, even we weren't having consistent sessions in between. That was like a month apart. But it was every week and a half or so, you kept sending me emails saying, just checking in, want to make sure you know, you're know you staying on top. Of it. How are the goals going? Have you met it? What are we thinking about for the next time we meet? And you just that little kernel, even if I didn't respond right away, was enough for me to see it and go, yeah, I am doing this. Yeah, that goal does feel pretty good. I am meeting it. Maybe I'm doing okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Felt good. So where you are now with, with self-confidence? It's through the roof. Yeah, it it's changed everything, and it's the, I struggle a lot 
still with the the things mentioned of the, the body dysmorphia is still very strong but something i'm getting a lot better with and how and, are you doing that how like, what kind of work are you doing <laughs> i know we're uh, getting, i know we're getting deep but it I mean, is yeah these, no, are, these are common things that people they, they are, are and i get asked that a lot because i mention <laughs> it all the time i don't want to hide it and I think not hiding it is the best medicine for me right now mm-hmm. is to continue to talk about it and say it is real and that it doesn't matter if you perceive someone to be small and in shape or large and in shape or just any body size or anything. I think we all in some way, shape or form are dealing with a little bit of this body dysmorphia just some more than others. And this seeing ourselves as something that we're not and or seeing only the flaws in ourselves and just continually judging ourselves. And going and talking to people about it and just saying, hey, I've, I know I've, I've done a lot of good things and I've gotten in much better shape and I'm feeling really good right now, but I still see these things in me and I, I need to work on them and hyper-focusing on like, you know, love handles or, you know, in places that fat gathers that it shouldn't gather in each individual body. It's different for everybody. And saying like, you know, my first question, which I realize is so ludicrous at this point, I asked my trainer, I want to get rid of the fat right here. How do I do that? <laughs> and he just looked at me and shook his head and he's just like, all right, we got a lot of work to yeah, do. I mean, let me yeah. tell you how this works. Yeah. It's not, not that like way. That. <laughs> yeah, not like that. He's like, just keep being consistent. The weight will come off. The fat will be reduced over time. He's like, we don't focus on that though. We focus on non-scale victories. How do you feel? Are the weights we are lifting going up? Are you moving more and feeling less, you know, stress about it? Yes, yes, yes. Over and over. The, the first question he asked me, it's this is a very it's slightly crude, but I think was very important. He asked, "Can you sit down on the toilet and get up without assistance?" Mm-hmm. And it's it's a question you don't expect to be ever asked, mm-hmm. but. In, in all honesty, at that point, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. I needed a rail. I needed something to grab onto, to hold onto. And he's like, you are not self-dependent. He's like, if you do not have that rail, are you stuck? And I stopped for a minute and I said, kind of. Yeah, I'm in trouble. And he's like, we need to fix that before anything else. Yes. And so it's small things. It's not just, oh, what can I bench press? We didn't care about that for a year in the gym. Mm-hmm. We cared about, can you sit down and get up? pain-free, period. Can I walk up a curb and not hurt my knees? What what small thing can I do that just we can tackle right now that's very practical just to living? And when I can live pain-free, because I told you when I walked in here, I, was, oh, I just hurt all over. My knees hurt. Everything hurts. I just can't function. And you're just miserable. And if we tackle that first, we start to really get a grasp of what is causing the deep shame and the pain in ourselves we can then start to worry about all the other superficial things that make us quote unquote feel better about ourselves, the the big arms or the big things I want to build and, and, and going forward. But changing the way I thought about just functionally living and getting around helped me understand that this little love handle that I still have, even 230 pounds down, is not as important to focus on as how do I move? How do I feel? And if when I focus on those things, the body dysmorphia is reduced. It's not gone, but I, I realize when my trainer and I sit down and talk about where did we come from, from you know, a goal of a year ago saying, can I just do you know 10 push-ups without stopping? Or can I just sit down on a box and stand up without assistance? I remember that day vividly, that victory, and just jumping up and down when I could do that for the first time, pain-free. And just those things, when I look back on them, 
they change everything. The mm-hmm. mindset just calms down a little bit and says, they're not, there's not something I'm going to run up and tell some guy down the street and just like, it's not like my bros at the gym be like, hey man, I sat down <laughs> on a box and I stood up and yeah. it didn't hurt. Yeah. And they just look at me like, okay, yeah. dude, you know, what do you bench? Like, it's never that. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have friends yeah. at the gym that ask me that. I don't want that. I don't want, you know, the, that, that competition of what do you deadlift, what do you squat, what do you bench. Okay. Those are wonderful things for, for fitness if you want to do them. But for me, it was can I step up on a curb and not hurt myself? Can I sit down and get up? Those were goal number one. And when I accomplished that and I think back to that as that was my goal, I thought I would never have that. And seeing that, that we just kept shifting the goalpost over and over and over and we're never done. And I, I remember one of those big victories, I stood up, I kind of like pumped my fist and I said, I looked at my trainer, I was like, Matt, I'm really proud of that. And he looked at me and he's like, we don't celebrate mediocrity. And he, <laughs> he, he has a dry sense of humor. He didn't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. He was just like, and, and what? He's yeah. like, is that it? Are you done? And I'm like, no, I'm not done. And he's like, good. What's the next thing? And he just poked at me a little bit and I was like, yeah, what's the next thing? And I felt empowered and I felt strong at that point. And I was like, I can do anything. If I can do that, which seemed impossible, then what's the next thing I can do? And he's like, we live in the impossible. That's what we do here. So he's like, what's the next impossible thing you think you can't do? And we just start naming things. I was like, oh, I want to run a 10-minute mile. And he's like, oh, yeah, easy. He's like, you'll have that in a couple of months. I was like, I don't even know. I, I can barely walk a 20-minute mile at this yeah. point. And he's like, we'll get there. And then the next thing I know, like I put in that... Eight minutes and four. I've even lowered it since then, below oh, 840. Nice. And I just feel amazing. Now I'm like, I want to run my first 5K. I want to do, I just want to do things that seemed literally impossible. And the the fact that now we just, we can live, I can live in this impossible state at all the times and I can accomplish almost anything I want to if I just have a plan and I have the steps to do it and I have the people around me that can help me get me there. And so uh, it's kind of a joke. It started at first. Um, I started what I call the freezer of motivation. It's okay. the oddest thing. Okay. I know it All sounds right. so strange, but for me, it just kind of worked. So what I did is my trainer would have these sayings he would tell to me over and over that he wouldn't even realize he was repeating. And so instead of just uh, his, his exclamation for me when I was struggling with something and he wanted me to just finish that last little bit, he would scream, finish your breakfast. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. He doesn't even know what it means. He was just screaming it at me. And it was just something he said over and over. And I, it just stuck with me. And so when I'm on my own and I'm, I'm really struggling with something, I'm like, finish your breakfast. I'll just say it to my... People would look at me like I'm insane. And so what I ended up doing then is I created... I went to this like random website. I made a magnet and I put just finish your breakfast. And I slapped that on my freezer in the garage. Because okay. my wife said, we can't put it on the fridge in the house. It's too gaudy. I was like, okay, whatever. All right. So I put that sucker on there. And every day when I walk out to my car, I see the thing and it says, finish your breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, I'm like, ah, and it makes me feel good because I hear his voice in my head. I'm like, that's my motivational oh, phrase. It. I've got like eight magnets on that fridge now of th- things he's told me of like, don't be sorry, be better. You know, recovery walks, which were really just running instead of walking. And just all of these little things, the names he would call us of motivation and just the ways he would poke us. His latest one is, do you know magic? And because I would do something and he's like, he'd say, stop embarrassing me. You're doing it wrong. You tell me to do a certain exercise. He'd turn around for a second. I'm on the wrong foot or something. He's like, do you know magic? Seriously, stop embarrassing me. He's like, switch your feet, switch or do this. You know, we know what we're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just tired. I, I, I messed it up. And so that one's coming next. That's the next okay. magnet. Do you okay. know magic? But okay. like, it's just the, these little phrases that just make me laugh and make me feel so encouraged and empowered 
because they're just things that have lived with us, both my wife and now my dad and my brother. And it's just these things over and over that just keep us focused and motivated and say, yeah, I can do it. If I just tell myself I can and put the steps in place practically, it's not just like a, a mantra, it's practical. Do this and this will happen. If I have an expert helping me find that that path, don't just do it willy nilly. Don't just throw weights around. Just do throw weights around. Create a specific plan, a specific goal, and go tackle it. I think one of the things that you were able to do on your own, walking into this office, that I have a hard time getting people to do, or I have to work through them a couple a couple sessions to be able to do this is telling me what your goals were and what you wanted to accomplish that was real to your life that actually mattered. Yeah. Whereas I feel like a lot of people come in and they'll they'll say, my goal is to be a size four, or yeah. my goal is to have this certain weight. Um, or they, they tell me something that's been repeated to them over and over again that maybe their doctor said or their husband said. Yeah. And it doesn't actually mean anything to them. And so yeah. I'll say like, okay, if you are a size four, what does that mean to your life? How yeah. does that change your life? And then they kind of just look at me like, well, I'm like, yeah, you would just be buying a size four <laughs> instead of buying a size 14. Like yeah. it's, you're just picking up a different size at that point. But I think what you did well is you came in and you said, I'm in pain all the time. I don't want to be in pain all the time. Yeah. I can't step up on a curb and I want to be able to step up on a curb. And so you knew specifically the things that you needed to work towards to reach that. And that feedback from getting the things that actually mattered to your life was enough to keep you going. Whereas yeah. when we have a goal of get into that size four and you're currently a 14, well, now you're in a size 11. It's like, okay, well, I'm getting closer to that, but like the 11 doesn't really mean a lot to me, but the four, it's just not enough yeah. to keep you on that path because it's not a real goal that no. means a lot. And the, the biggest thing that when people do ask me, uh, you know, what, what are the biggest things that made the, the, the biggest impact or changes that kept you going? Because the consistency is the biggest thing. It's not just, you know, 30 days of this. It's not a, a you know, an eight-week boot camp that's going to fix me forever. It's got to be something I can do day in, day out, week in, week out, and so on. Um, was you have to have, to me at least, you have to have a clear why. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be very specific. It cannot just be, like you said, uh, size whatever for me, size 56 to size 36 pants. That means literally nothing because it didn't change anything up top and mentally. What it did is I created the very specific life goal that just made me feel accomplished in the moment that I knew. Or I didn't even know I could accomplish that at that point. Something that I knew would just impact daily life forever. Mm -hmm. If I could just look at a flight of stairs and not think that it might not make it up or down them, that would change my life. And that that seemed impossible at the moment because I always took the elevator, but I was like, you know what? That that could just be one of the goals. I want to just take the stairs once this week or once today. Or now I I, I told my trainer, it's a mindset thing. And and my wife kind of bought on board because she had to because we drive together everywhere. But uh, I'm the person that I had to create this mindset that uh, that has to park at the back of the parking lot. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, I've heard people say it, and it seems really silly, and you think, oh, that doesn't add up to anything. Oh, it absolutely does. <laughs> if you just become that person, rain or shine, hot or cold, doesn't matter, the very back of the public's parking lot, the Costco parking lot, wherever it is, I'm finding the last space I can find, and that way I'm just not fighting people either. So parking is less stressful. Yeah. It's wonderful. I'm <laughs> yeah. not waiting for spaces. I got yeah. one in the back. It's easy, except uh-huh. for Costco on the weekends. They're still busy. But past that, I can park any where I want in the back 
and I just walk in and walk out and that's it. And that's just that little bit of extra, even if it's just saying maybe not the complete opposite side of the parking lot, but when I would go to my Jersey Mike's lunch when I was changing that, I would just park at the end of the row that Jersey Mike's was on. And I would just park further and further back and just walk a little bit more. Yeah. And that little bit made me feel empowered that I was like, I was doing something. You're making at that a good point. decision. Yeah. You're, like you're just, you're making a good decision and that keeps building on itself yeah. every time. And it's just a very practical one. <clears throat> it, it's, it's just simply like, am I okay walking just a little bit further? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, yeah, no matter how heavy or how bad I was, walking an extra one minute wasn't going to kill me. It yeah. was going to be a little uncomfortable because I was still so out of shape. But at the same time, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But there's no problem with that if I can just try. Just do something. I think one of my favorite podcasts through all of this, um, he's an actor. His name's Ethan Suplee. His podcast, Mm -hmm. American Glutton. Mm -hmm. God love him. That that podcast was one of the first ones I latched on to have listened to every single episode because he's he's been there. He's done it. He's lost weight. He's lost hundreds of pounds multiple times because he gained it all back, yeah. lost it again, gained it all back. And he talks very candidly about it. And one of the things he talked about when he finally made the permanent changes that he did after he went through all the fad diets and all the things, when he finally buckled down and hit rock bottom himself, he just said, I want to walk to the end of the driveway and come back. Be able to put on my shoes, walk down there, come back, take them off, and be done for the day. Because he weighed well over 500 pounds, too. And I was like, oh, someone who is in a... He's lost over 200 pounds himself. He looks like a bodybuilder these mm-hmm. days. He's in amazing shape. And I was like, that was where he started? Mm-hmm. And like that, to me, was just mind-blowing. And I was like, oh, so me walking around the block is not crazy. Because I felt like I was insane. And uh, that people, even though no one's looking at me, that people in their houses were judging me for walking by them and being out of shape. Mm-hmm. Like it was that crazy yeah. to me to be doing something. And when I, when I would listen to other people and realize I wasn't alone, even though I felt alone, that really helped open it up. Even though I, I don't know him from Adam, but I've listened to everything he has and I feel like I'm his friend at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, it, th- those things helped me. So I'd listen to his podcast and go walking. Yeah. And that helped me. And I would, I would create an incentive to go outside and I would say, okay, my time to go do the thing I really want to do, which is listen to his podcast and these other podcasts or some music I want to listen to, is I have to be outside to do it. And so I just create these little games with myself mm-hmm. and just say, okay, I, I can listen to it and sit inside or I can just take a little bit of a really slow walk and listen to it and just see what I feel like. Yeah. And so I'd create these moments where I'd encourage myself to go out and do the things I really want to do with the things that I was a little bit scared to do. But it turns out I really enjoy both of them if I just gave it a shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got a question. Sure. What's your blood work look like these days? It is it is so hard for me to 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 truly grasp how different it is. I see the numbers and I don't believe them. My A1C when I was in the hospital that day was almost thirteen. Oh my gosh. And that's when they panicked and almost didn't do the surgery. Okay. That yeah. is if people can look it up, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible. My fasted sugars were Maybe one of the worst I've heard. To it it be is totally honest. It is it was it was <clears throat> serious. They wanted to hospitalize me. I was mm-hmm. so bad because the fasted sugars were were almost 200. Okay. It was just out of control. Yeah. Cholesterol, everything, blood pressure, oh well over the top. Just I was I was in I was in dire need of help and medication at that point. Um now uh, A1C has been tested twice in the last uh, six months here. 
Ah, yes. It, with zero medication. I'm very proud of that. Now, yes. That was the other goal when I came in here. I said pain-free. I was looking at the list again on my, my emails. Want it can be, be done in A1C from 13 yeah. to 4.9. And held. And I've had that with for no medication. Zero. Now. That's... It can I, be done. I, they initially put me on medication and I hated it. And that's when I walked in here and I said, I want to be pain free and I want off this medication because it makes me feel terrible. Because yeah. even on medication, my A1C got down to just about eight, mm-hmm. which was considered quote unquote almost managed on medication with diabetes. Yeah. And so that, they were still not happy with that and they wanted to up the medication. I said, time out. Medication makes me feel awful. I tried two different ones you gave me. I don't like it. I'm not saying I'm not going to take it. I'm going to take it because I need it. But I'm going to fix this. Yeah. And so that's when I'm, I'm sitting down with you at the same mm-hmm. time saying, we're going to fix this. Yes. Help me fix this. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it the the small dietary changes I was making was helping bring it down. And I didn't realize how much. And then the exercise was, was massive with lowering the blood sugars, which I was realizing later as I researched it more. Just a little bit of movement. Some Any kind of movement was only going to help me process these sugars better. So food and the movement together, not just one or the other, really helped me find that good combination for myself to really help get it under control. Now, I remember the day I asked that my doctor, and I said, can I try to get off this? Can I just not take it for a couple of weeks and I'll, I'll get my blood work done again? I'll do whatever you want. I think I've got this. And the funny thing was, I know she, she meant this in all the, the right ways, but and I don't blame her. But she looked at me and she kind of nodded her head with that kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, sure you will. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I know you don't know me that well. Yeah. You know, I've seen you twice, you know. Yeah. And so you've heard this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to tell you, I'm going to do better. I'm working out. I'm eating better. And it's a, it's a complete fabrication. That's fine. So it, that didn't bother me. It just made me want to do it even more. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I said, that's okay. Just give me give me a shot. Let me, let, let me at least prove you right or prove you wrong. Let's yeah. see what happens. And I, I, I got off of it, that silly metformin, which is, it, it, I'm so glad that drug is there to help me get to the point where I wasn't in an emergency situation, but I'm so happy not to have, have to be on that silly thing anymore. But I got off of it and I just tightened up things just a tiny bit more. I didn't go crazy, just stayed consistent for about a month, retested everything and she, it went down a little bit, the A1C. Yes. And I was just like... I've got this. Yes. And she looked at me and she's like, all right, okay. I'll give you a longer leash. She's yeah. like, three or four months, come back and do it again. Okay. Did it again, even better. And yes. I was like, it was again, it was that, that little bit of a push to say like, I don't need these. Yes. These are not controlling me. These are not going to be part of my life. Because I am in, it, it reminded me, I am in control. I can do this. And it's it's just a decision of what I think is most important. And it's much like anything else. And I talk to my wife about this all the time while we're meal prepping. We do, uh, <laughs> my, my trainer named it this and just kind of stuck. So every Saturday, we go to the gym in the morning together. I promise this has a point fairly to the subject. <laughs> we go to the gym together. We work out separately. Then we come together. We do a little bit of stretching and recovery. And then we go out to brunch at first watch. It's our one big meal of the week. Uh-huh. We go out and we eat something really nice together. And we go and we meal plan for the week. And we talk about what do we want to make? What are we feeling this week? How are you feeling? We do like a debrief together. And it's just like a little checklist of like, you know, are we feeling good? Especially in the early days, what do we need to change? 
because to help us both, you know, feel a little bit better about the food choices we're making. It's like, well, we tried, we tried, you know, XYZ meal. I didn't really love that. It didn't heat up very well. The veggies were a little soggy. Okay, let's throw that out. Let's do something else. What, what can we try? And so we'd sit there and we'd be Googling stuff together while we're eating brunch and find the next thing. And we wouldn't go until we had a plan. And we create that plan. And then we go make everything on Sunday and try it again. Cool. And just keep recycling ideas till we found the ones that fit for us. And my trainer heard that we were doing that. And he's like, oh, it's sexy Saturday. And I'm like, no, it's not like a date date. It's like a planning session. He's like, yeah, sexy Saturday. I'm like, okay, fine. Sexy and so now Saturday. it's sexy Saturday is what it's called. And so yeah. we, we still do it to this to this date, even though we've got everything dialed into where we feel really good. But it's like a debrief time where we sit down together and we just go, how are we feeling? Do we feel good? You know, it's our time to check in because... The week gets crazy. Yeah, where everything yeah, gets out of taking hand, the time. and we just need a. a it's, it's it's so weird to think I'm planning a meeting with my own wife, but it's, no, it's, essentially it's that so healthy. It's such a healthy thing and say, for your relationship and you and her together. And I think a lot of people think they'll they're gonna finally get to this point where they don't have to think about it anymore. No. And, and I've had so many people give me that as a goal: is I want to get to the point where I don't have to think about it anymore. It's like. I am sorry, but that is not something <laughs> because you're always going to have to eat. And, yeah. and because you're always going to have to eat, you're always going to have to have a plan. You're yeah. always going to have to talk about it. And if it's not something that's central to your life or it's something that you're making these weekly meetings and you're talking to your wife about it and you're talking to other people about it, it's going to fall by the wayside. Yeah. Just like anything else in your life, nutrition is not this this special thing over here this magic thing that you're going to figure it out once and then it's just going to be figured out forever or you yeah. have to do it every single week i personally think it's it's actually much more difficult than people make it out to be simply because like you said we have to eat mm-hmm. and so I, I was talking to someone actually just this last week and uh he's one of these guys at the gym i had no idea who he was he, he grabbed me i was sitting down i was playing basketball something i never thought i'd do again <laughs> and he saw me and he's like you look amazing he's like i've seen you here for the last year or so and he's like tell me a little bit about yourself and so we started chit-chatting a little bit and uh he looked at me and he's like oh he's like so he boiled it down he's like oh food was your drug of choice and i was like yeah mm-hmm. i guess in a kind of way it kind of mm-hmm. was it's like we all struggle with a lot of different kinds of addictions or things we struggle with and to me food was the self-medication yeah and it was something that i struggled with and he's like that's a rough one he's like you got to eat every day don't you and i was like yeah, it really was, wasn't it? And yeah. it just it took me a minute. It kind of hit me hard because I hadn't really put it together that way. But mm-hmm. it's funny how these short interactions sometimes throw things right into focus and go like, yeah, I have to eat. But that's something that I'm always going to struggle with. It's never going to be something I'll just turn off because that's what got me there. That's what got me in the yeah. hole I was in. Yeah. I shut everything off and I just did whatever I thought felt good. And in reality, it didn't make me feel good. It made me feel miserable. Yeah. And so now when I think about it, it's a conscious decision what I eat every day. And it's never, it's not a, a punishment to do it. It's just I know this food makes me feel energized and fueled and good and happy. And so I can eat that and feel no guilt or shame and feel great for the day. And when I decide to eat something off the rails a little bit, like I've done, you know, over the holidays or for various things for celebrations, it's okay. But listen to your body and say, like, what does this make me feel? Do I feel truly happy? In the moment, I felt extremely happy eating that dessert. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Or that pizza was amazing. I hadn't had it in a little while. And I was like, oh, this feels great. And then I go that night and I sit down. And I'm like, oh, I feel a little cloudy again. Is that To me, it was a fog in front of my eyes. I get a little dizzy. Yeah. And I start to feel it. And I don't know what 
medically it is necessarily, but I don't think I process an extreme amount of carbohydrates or sugar very well if I do a big dump at once. I it's can, the come down. It's any. Yeah. It's like any drug. You get the high, and then, and then as crashes. high as it goes, you get the low. And that crash, I started. Now I start to feel it, and I'm like, oh. It's like, I don't like that feeling, but it doesn't mean that it was a bad thing to, to, to indulge. It just means listen to yourself and don't do that every day. Mm-hmm. And every meal doesn't have to be that. And so another uh, wonderful guy, I forget his actual name, but uh, he's uh, another person that's lost an immense amount of weight and speaks a lot in a podcast form. Um, I believe his name, he goes, his handle is obese to beast. And uh, he uh, he speaks very candidly about the struggles he had in his fitness and nutritional journey. And his his latest uh, analogy was people keep talking about falling off the bandwagon. And then, you know, while I'm already off, I might as well just go eat XYZ for the rest of the week because I've already failed. So I might as well be a failure forever. He's like, what if you are the bandwagon? You can't fall (laughs) off of it. He's like, you've got to just steer back on the road. You can't just fall off and pretend you're not you anymore. You've got to take the reins and just get back in control so make a mistake fine or do something that you didn't have in your plan fine that's good move on and make another good decision later that day Mm -hmm. don't throw the day away don't throw everything away just like okay for dinner now i will make sure that i just do what i originally planned don't go over the top and punish yourself because that's how we create the bad relationship with food which i'm so glad with your guidance and the other people i've talked to that we did not create because i think that that's another horrible issue to have to crawl out of as well but just go ahead and get back on track go back to the small things you were doing don't try to overcompensate and just you know you're hydroplaning on the road don't try to swing the car back way yeah. too far and cause an accident the other direction just get back online the next decision you have to make and just even if that decision falls apart and doesn't go perfectly good i've got another chance the next meal yep. and i just keep thinking the next time the next time until i get back on my little track again and if i've fallen off too far i st- I've, I've reached out to you i've reached out to my trainer i've reached out to other people and i just say hey I'm, I'm on a little bit of a streak here and i'm struggling just a hair let's talk about this again let me help focus back in on this and get that help again yeah. and don't be afraid to say i'm not doing well don't hide that because mm-hmm. that's how we got ourselves in the hole mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah. We, we hit it. We were shame. We felt shame. We felt guilt. And we said, I might as well just give up. And then we hide. Yeah. Instead of just putting it in the light and just saying, hi, I'm not sure why I'm falling off the bandwagon here. But let's, let's, let's talk about this for a minute and let's see what small thing I can do to help me get back on track again. One of the things that my therapist has said to me that really stuck with me about shame is like what happens from shame is hiding, lying, being covert. And so when you notice you're doing those things and noticing that you're in shame, that's not something that you can really build from. Whereas if you feel guilty about something, that's something that you can work from. Like you can recognize, okay, I feel guilty about this, but talking about it, you can yeah. talk, you can bring it into the open. You can talk about maybe why that made you feel guilty, what you could do differently next time to not shame yourself or not feel guilty, but just kind of recognizing like, oh, am I, am I lying to someone about this? Yeah. Am I not telling the full truth here? Why am I feeling that shame? And then what can I... Yeah. So one very specific example when I realized this is early on when I was still eating, not exactly how I eventually end up eating now, but uh, was still indulging in a lot of things, but was fixing the one meal. Um, I remember 
we, it was like a celebration we were doing. It was like a birthday or an anniversary for my wife and I. And uh, I wanted to order something nice for her. And I was some candy I knew she liked. So I went to a special place and I ordered some like really fancy high-end stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got it for her. And I ordered some extra stuff for me and I didn't tell her. Mm-hmm. And I, it, why did I not tell my wife I ordered extra? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like it was just something I was used to doing and just hiding. Mm-hmm. And I ordered a big old thing of these chocolate covered gummy bears. Sounds really strange, but it's amazingly good. <laughs> like I don't know why those two things go together, chocolate and gummy bears, but it did. I ordered like a three or four pound bag of these things, uh-huh. hid them in a drawer and ate them when she was asleep or she was not in the house. And I hid the entire thing and I felt guilt and shame and, and just all of these terrible feelings. And I'm looking at myself thinking, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And I finally just went up to her and I told her and I just kind of said, I did this. Yeah. And just had to say it. Yeah. And I, was, I don't know why I did it or why I'm doing it, but this is what I'm doing and I don't like it. And I didn't need her to shame me or tell me I'm doing a bad job or not to do it. I just needed to share it mm-hmm. and just get it get off out my of the chest. Shame. Yeah, yeah. And just open it up, put it all in the light, and just say this is what I'm doing, and I don't like it, and I just want to be more transparent about everything I'm doing. So let's talk about what we're going to do meal wise going forward, so I can help. And what kind of things can I bring in the house to help me focus on making a slightly better decision next time I feel that urge to want to do that? So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with a gummy bear or with a candy bar or a soda those things are not evil they're just the overindulgence can cause a problem or you know gorging on those things over time will cause other issues so I can still have them I just need to be transparent about when I have it put it in the plan and just do it intentionally don't just stumble into a five pound bag of gummy bears Go buy a small bag of it, enjoy the heck out of it, eat it because I meant to eat it, and then go make a better decision the next time and just move on and not yeah. feel guilt about it. Yeah. As long as I'm not hiding it, I don't feel bad about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I say, I can eat this. We still go to Brewster's and get ice cream. We still go to a nice, I love it. It's a, it's a Soto pizza, Detroit style pizza. Oh my pizza. God, They're that is so the good. best pizza. No, everybody go there. It's just, it's amazing. The new one in Winter Park's wonderful. And so I, I go there, we go there a couple of times now and it's it's wonderful and I, I look at that and I'm like yeah this is absolutely not in the worth quote unquote it. diet plan but <laughs> worth every bite worth it yeah because we've decided that if we're going to eat something that's not quote unquote in the strict plan that we've created that we enjoy let's make sure it's really good yes. don't go get hungry Howie's pizza yes. go get soda yeah. yeah and then make it worth it don't go get you know a, a Hershey's candy bar go get a fancy chocolate thing mm, from a mm-hmm. fancy chocolatier and enjoy every bite you of that thing. You feel good yeah. about eating and, it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. enjoy it and be intentional about enjoying it and go enjoy it with somebody and go mm-hmm. have a, an experience around it and let that be a healthy thing, not a shameful thing. Yeah, such a different feeling that you get from that comparing it to the chocolate-covered gummy yeah, bears that you, were, that you were hiding. Yeah. Totally different feeling. 100%. Do you feel like this, at this point, that this new lifestyle fits you better or do you find yourself scared that maybe you're going to slide back into that 20 year cycle that you're yeah. in so I, I think about this all the time yeah. and it's, it's always in the front of my mind because I, I people ask me all the time and said do you even recognize that person from two years ago and I look at the pictures of myself and I'm like no I don't okay I don't even associate and from a picture from a one-to-one I look at that and I'm like that is not me okay and I've I've determined and I've said I've told myself I just repeat the mantra never again never yeah. again and it's not that 
I, I, I am, I am still ashamed of how, of how far I let my go. I, I'm still dealing with that. I'm still struggling with a lot of the, the mental anguish from the, the guilt and shame I felt of that. But at the same time, how good I feel now and how empowered I feel in every aspect of my life because of this means that there's it's not just a one thing it's not just like oh my nutrition might slip a little bit and then you know i'll just let it all go and then i'll just fall into this 20-year cycle of being almost 500 pounds again i have so many good things going for me because i've set them all up and it's like I've, I've i've optimized my my confidence in the work that i'm doing i've recently changed career paths because i've built confidence to do it started putting myself out there more because being being a musician and having to be in front of a large amount of people regularly was an embarrassment to me and so i actually scaled back and started not doing as much of it even though it was my passion and what i love to do mm-hmm. and i look at videos of myself and i see uh, a concert setting. I'm sitting on a stage. There's a hundred people in a choir, a 40-piece orchestra, and a couple thousand people in an audience. And I'm sitting on the edge of a stage on a chair. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know if I can get up. There was no handle on the chair, on no arms. Mm-hmm. And I had to pretend like I was okay and stand up. Mm-hmm. And I was so embarrassed because I hurt. And I remember kind of leaning on the chair and pushing myself up and looking like a person that was 20 years older than I was, standing up and then worrying about having to sit down because my knees hurt so much from standing up. And so I, I just couldn't go through that. And it was just, I was so, and nobody ever mentioned it. None of the audience members, they're all yeah. happy. And they're like, oh, you're wonderful. You're amazing. This and that. Yeah. But no one ever mentioned you look like you're out of shape. Yeah. They just brushed it by. But I knew and I couldn't deal with it. So I just quit doing it. I didn't want to put myself out there. And so finding that confidence again, it's just been a constant building on top of one thing or another. Now I'm excited. I feel like I'm, I'm leaping up steps and doing things I never thought I could do. And so now I stand up with confidence and a different feeling to myself that just has changed how I approach that part of my life. And so that that benefit drives me. The, the way I feel when I eat drives me. The way that my wife and I now communicate in a different way drives me. The way my family has been affected drives me. It's not just one thing. It's a whole network of things that make it so I feel like I can't fail because all of these things together won't let me. If one piece falls, I've got five others there holding me up. Yeah. And that's the support system I have to have around me because I know that I am... I'm wired in a way that falling into this would be easy if I didn't have all those things because food is my my medication of choice. I I can easily go that direction again, but I won't let myself because so many other things are propping me up and holding me accountable and make me feel good, make me feel really empowered about where I am now. And it's, it's a funny thing where I thought that if I ever lost a certain amount of weight, that I would just be content. Mm-hmm. That's a dirty lie. Okay. And yeah, it's, so when someone says, you know, the, I need I want to go down to size, whatever, and then I'll be happy. That's never, the, you know, okay. it. that's mm-hmm. never the case. It's not. And so being this size, I thought I would be content and happy, and I'm not. And I realized it's not a size thing that was gonna. I'm going to find my happiness. Yeah. My happiness is rooted in the relationships I have and the work I do and the things outside of this. And so now it's a matter of where do I find my joy and contentment in life outside of that scale number and outside of, of just the perception I have myself in the mirror now. Those things are 
they're important in a way, but they're not everything. If I if I obsess over that number and it goes up by 1.5 pounds because I'm holding a little bit of water because I had pizza the, the previous yeah. day, does that crush me? It, it could, you know, and at a previous time it did. Mm-hmm. But now it doesn't because I know better. I know there are other things. I still feel good. I'm moving better. Everything is getting better. And the focus on all of those things and that's what pushes me to say, all right, that number will fluctuate up and down. That's normal. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. And just pay attention enough to make sure we're not going off the rails, but really focus in on the things that are bringing you joy and happiness and your support system so you can really keep yourself you know, out of those dark areas. I think that's a great message for us to kind of wrap up on. So, Stephen, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. And I have a feeling that you're going to be the catalyst for some other people. And that's why I really wanted to have you in here today. Because if there are people that are at their rock bottom and Mm. they need some help getting out of that, I think this story can really help. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this up. We We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.